Ciao ragazzi and benvenuti to the 39th episode of In the Shadow of Vesuvio. My name is Henry Bell and I'm broadcasting from the west of Scotland, far away from Mount Vesuvio, but literally in its shadow right now is Michele Borelli uh, at Napoli Tickets on Twitter, at Michele GNT on Twitter. I've got over a thousand more followers than you on Twitter. How does that feel, Michele? How are you? Did you move? Hello, everyone. What? Did you move me? Oh, moved house. Yes. Uh, Finally. I live in Glasgow, everybody. So there's a big, big news here. Obviously, why you're tuning in, it's not to find out about Naples. It is to find out about my domestic life. Absolutely. Um, There's nothing else to talk about. When was the last time we had an episode? Like five five years ago? I can't remember. Things have happened. I've uh, been to Sarajevo, moved house, taught things at university. And all in the meantime, Napoli have turned it around and are playing the best football in Europe, the top of the league. And Ossiman's just signed a nine-year contract. Perfect. Okay. Episode is over. Thank you, Thanks. everyone. Thanks Best time ever. <laughs> yes. Next episode in five years again. Thank you. Bye-bye. So, see you in the charts. Um, so I know a lot of people follow this podcast because they are enthusiastic about fish and chips in Paisley, um, yep. a town in the west of Scotland, where, Michaela, you and your, your good lady came for fish and chips. It's the end now of Paisley-based fish and chip content. So Enzo's and Paisley. If you ever come and stay again, we will not be going there. How do you feel about that? I feel crushed. I feel I feel I feel like life is pointless right now. What's the point? Hey. Like the majority of our fan base is, you know, follows us just because of that fish and chips, the fish and chip stories, the Enzo's. They all work stuff. there. <laughs> the now we have to actually now we actually have to talk about football. Which neither of us are qualified to do, really. No. And so I know I now live in uh, South Glasgow, right? And so that's like the hipstery bit. Well, in fact, this is the first question off the script. What's the most like hipstery part of Naples? Would you say? I would say is the Orientale area, which is called Orientale, because it's um, basically where the Orientale University is. So okay. everyone will, like, there, is, there are a few stereotypes about Neapolitan universities. We have, like, three or four, can I remember, four or five, maybe. Um, and each one has their own stereotype when it comes to the typical student. I have not attended university in Napoli, so I haven't lived through the stereotypes. But one of the stereotypes about Orientale, which is one of the universities on Naples, it's in the historic center, and it's mostly about uh, foreign languages, foreign cultures. Um, so the stereotype about this university is that it's basically frequented by hippies, you know, very alternative kind of people, nice. you know. So, yeah. Uh, it's, I want to make sure uh, we're talking about, so are we talk, is, it, is it men with moustaches, just like buffet, not beard, but just a moustache, and, and mullets, and... Yeah, smoking weed. Know, yeah. And yeah, with lots of piercings. Yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. This kind of this kind of people. And uh yeah, so if you go there, which is roughly in the 
piazza San Domenico Maggiore and via Mezzocannone area. Yeah. That's actually quite fun. If you go, especially in the weekend, it's a lot of university students there. There's a lot of, it's very active, you know. It's right in the heart of the historic center. Been... Are there like secondhand clothes shops there as well? I think so, probably. Yeah, yeah vintage clothes. So basically, I live in the equivalent of there now. I live in, in South Glasgow, which is full of people drinking coffees and having having overpriced, um, you know, donuts and things like that. So it's great. I fit right in. Donuts. Wow. <laughs> Transgressive alternative. Wow. Artisan donuts. Shout out any Scottish listeners. Tantrum donuts. It's like, it's a big deal. Next time you're over here, I'm going to get your tantrum donut and you will be converted. Michele, I promise. Anyway... Um, in a second, we're actually going to start talking about football. Uh. But before we do, as is traditional, what is number 39 in the Napoli Tombola, Michaela? Number... Just you, Michaela. Yeah, that's fine. That's okay. That's I've been called worse. The number 39 in the Tombola, I would say is very fitting. I think I mentioned it in the last episode. 20 years ago, but number 39 is Afunangan. In Italian, it would be Il Capio al Collo. And in English, it would be uh, the noose around your neck. Oh, God. <laughs> Afunangan. <laughs> the noose around your neck. So that's what the episode today is about. I'm happy oh, Well, can oh, you imagine if we had like a happy number today? It wouldn't be very fitting. So, yes, the news well, around our neck, collective neck. Well, there we go. Well, thank you for bringing such sunshine in, into my life. Right. Um, but yeah, okay. Well, in some ways it's fitting because we are, I mean, I have been slightly overcompensating at the beginning of this episode by being um, unnecessarily chirpy. Uh, it's a bit of a Bit of a crap time to be an athlete fan, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I was saying I was saying to you before we started recording, like, it's all right for me, I can just sit on the sofa and do something else uh, when it's over. But you have to go all the way there. Watch nah. it and come all the way back again. That's okay. That's fine. I mean, to be honest, this is one of the probably, you know, I, I think we, we talked about it before, but going to the stadium is very therapeutic. So... If it's happy moment, it's even happier. If it's if it's sad, I wouldn't say it's sadder, but it it helps you process what happened faster, because you're surrounded by people who are going through the same process. They're going through the same feelings, and you know even even during the game, it's it's you know like it's you complain if you see something bad, like you complain. You look around, everyone is throwing their hands in the air, and. Yeah, I mean, it's it's. It, I think it helps. I mean, to me, it helps. I remember when I, when I, even, I mean, even now, I watch obviously away games at home. I don't go to all the away games, but mm-hmm. when I used to watch Napoli games, um, like from abroad, when I used to live abroad, all the time, it was much. I was way more frustrated with 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 Napoli, with the perfor- bad performances with the teams, because it's you know it's like. There's nothing you can do. Yes, you can go on Facebook, you can go on whatever, on, on like forums and read. MySpace. Yeah, MySpace, yeah. I, I knew you were about to say that. But it's, 
people. I don't go. I don't go on Facebook. To, I usually don't. It's, you know, like it. It does. Like there are a few pages on Facebook which I follow. I don't really. I don't really write anything. Are you going into the metaverse? You know, the kind of crap version of Second Life that Mark Zuckerberg spent $10 billion on. Are you the only person on there saying who wants to talk about how terrible Rudy Rudy Garcia is as as a manager? No, that that totally makes sense, actually. And I suppose it's a really interesting point about in the moment you can get things off your chest, which acts as a kind of catharsis that is different when you're on your own shouting at a television. Yeah, I think for me it's different because I have a season ticket. So if I had yeah. to make the the active choice of spending 30, 40, 50 euros per game to go through this, then probably I would have some regrets because it's, you know, like it's, that's a lot of money. But I have a season ticket, which was relatively cheap, I would say. Uh, I don't have a choice. I have to go to all games anyway, so might as well. Um, yeah. It is becoming harder and harder to convince friends to come to the stadium right now i have to be honest they're obviously plastics but yeah like you but it's it's yeah no it's it's i think it's easier to be in the stadium to be closer to the action well if there were any action there is no action going on at all but i mean action is quite a compliment to to what's what's not happening yeah i think um so what i reckon we could do today right is um, talk about before the game against uh, Union Berlin in midweek in the Champions League, because quite a lot happened in the city and you live in the city. Uh, Talk about the game itself and talk a bit about Garcia and afterwards. And we are being guided this week by some of our listeners, aren't we, McKelly? Would you like to to share with our our dear listeners how we have decided to structure uh this episode how this came about yes so i just asked on on my instagram at get napoli tickets for a few suggestions a few comments about the game uh and about this episode so i specifically asked what do you want me to talk about in the in the podcast and i I received a few a lot of comments for yesterday's game and a few recommendations for today's episode so we can talk about that. I think it's interesting. There were a lot of interesting questions about the game and about events surrounding the game. Yeah. And do you give... I'm not on Instagram because I'm I'm too cool for it, basically. Now I live in the south of Glasgow. <laughs> I, I'm a, There'll be some other app that someone's developed in one of the cafes where it's £2.50 for an espresso. That's too much money for an espresso, isn't it? Two pound fifty for an espresso. Yeah. Yes, but I've seen worse. That's true. Um, so first up, uh, Sir Captain CJ. Sentiment around the riots and how frustrating it must be. Also, T dot said yesterday, Union idiots in the city. What happened? Question mark. So just to briefly contextualise it for anyone who's like, what? Um, lots of German football fans turned up, smashed up Napoli, set off fireworks before the game. Uh, you obviously didn't see that. You weren't right in the middle of that. But presumably, was there anyone in the Kurva who you spoke to or things that you've seen? Just paint a bit of a picture of that pre, uh, pre-game awfulness from those idiots. Yeah, so no, I wasn't... Obviously, I didn't witness any, any of it. Um, 
I didn't speak to anyone who actually was there. Um, this wasn't as bad as what happened in last last March with Frankfurt uh, Frankfurt fans who kind of did the same. It seemed to happen often with German fans for some reason. I'm not yeah. I'm not too familiar with the German ultra scene and culture, so I don't know why it happens with them and not with other teams and with other fans. But yeah, so what happened yesterday was that a few, not all of them, but a few. Union Berlin Ultras arrived at the central station. I assume they arrived by train from Rome, I would I would assume. And as usual, the police is always informed about these movements of, you know, fans, ultras coming, visiting uh, Napoli. So they were waiting for them at the station. They stopped them and they, they just stopped them for some routine checks. You know, they asked for identification. I guess they asked for the match ticket to know whether they're going to attend the game or not. They're going to cause troubles. Um, it was reported that a few of them, well, a lot of them, didn't stop for the checks or they just went away. They just were all dressed. On. Yeah, they just, yeah, they were all dressed the same. And, uh, and uh, white, people, right? They're all wearing yeah, white. Yeah, white and like red caps, I guess. And they were just walking around the historic center, the videos I've seen were in the Rettifilo area, so mm. quite close to the central station. And yeah, some like Piazza Dante, these kind of parts. Uh, so not close to the stadium, but, you know, in the historic center. And yeah, they it was reported that they clashed with the police. It was reported that they destroyed a pub near Piazza Dante. They destroyed Oof. some like benches and stuff, like I guess tables and chairs from bars. They damaged some parked cars. That's what they did. And um, they, yeah, they just clashed with the police. I saw a picture of some Union fans with a police uh, helmet in their hands. So I guess they some, somehow they got their hands on a police helmet uh, during the clashes. I saw some videos of Napoli Ultras walking towards them, but there wasn't any mm. video of them fighting. So I guess my theory, because again, I don't, I don't, I don't know specifically what happened. It's not like Napoli Ultras, you know, release press statements about this kind of actions. But what I know, what I imagine happened is that they uh, heard the news of these Union Berlin fans walking around Napoli and destroying stuff, and they quickly gathered and they tried to uh, fight with them in in a way to, you know, kind of like protect. I don't want to say that because it doesn't sound right, but like mm. yeah, in the Ultras mentality, it is very offensive when the rival ultras are walking in your city um, just unchecked, you know, like freely. It is yeah. kind of like an offense, kind of like, oh, yeah, we do what we want in your city. So they can't stand for that. They take it as an offense and they go and try to stop them. I don't think they did. I don't think they clash with them because I didn't see any videos, any pictures, and... Yeah, uh, no, I haven't heard that either. Yeah, yeah I, I, I read something about them fighting against Union Berlin fans after the game yesterday, like at 1am, midnight, around the stadium. I didn't see any pictures and videos of that too, so I'm not 100% sure if that happened. If that happened, it wasn't big. So I guess it was mm. like just a few people. But yeah, so it's... I mean, it's... I wouldn't say it's a common problem in Napoli, but now it's twice in, in one year. And from German teams, and so as... Um... Captain CJ 
Sir Captain CJ says, for you, like as a Neapolitan who lives in Naples, how frustrating is this? I mean, I mean, obviously it's for, ooh, it's me dropping my book. Um, it's frustrating as anybody would experience to have a city vandalized, but specifically as a Napoli fan, how frustrating is it to see this done? It is frustrating, but I mean, what can you do? It's like it's I don't I don't condone and I don't accept the police banning away fans, like it happened last season against Frankfurt. Hmm. Uh, I don't like that. We get I think that, that made the situation worse as well. I think. Last yeah, year. yeah, yeah. But it's not just that, you know. Like I think you know the police has to do their job. So I don't think it's I don't think it's fair to just ban all all of them, all the Union Berlin fans, especially because. I, how like the way we've seen in the videos, it was just like about like maybe like 100, 200 Union Berlin fans doing all this, like causing chaos. And the stadium was full, it was like 3,000 Union Berlin fans. So it was like a it's always like that, you know, it's always yeah. a very small minority of ultras causing this, and it reflects upon the whole fan base. In this case, it was just like, like maybe like 100, 200, I can I can tell, but. No more than them, no more than three hundred, and the the away section was 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 full. It wasn't just them. Uh, it is frustrating, but um, what can we do? You know, like I don't I don't think there's anything we do. I think the solutions are either you ban away fans. I don't think that's a solution. We mm. we receive we are on the receiving end on this kind of bans all the time in Italy. For example, I couldn't go last week in Salerno. Yeah. And it was like it's just like a half an hour by car from my from my house and I couldn't go or there. Or a nice train. Yeah, yeah, or a nice train. I couldn't go I can I can go to Rome, for example, to watch Rome Napoli, Roma Napoli. I can do that. So I don't like that. I, I would be hypocritical of me to say, Oh yeah, ban German fans and then oh yeah, by open the away sections for, for me. No, it's yeah. like it goes like it you can you can have it both ways. Uh, I, I do think the police is ready for this kind of things like I, I, a few people like got in touch with me on instagram because i i i shared some some things on instagram and uh, i'm sharing like videos and pictures from the games every time and some of them told me uh what is the police doing you know they were asking me why is the police allowing them to do it uh i don't think they're allowing them to do it but Honestly, like, what's the solution? Because a few people told me, you know, this would never be allowed in my country. You know, but is that what we want? Like the police going and you want just a like... violent, militarized police? No, thank you. Yeah, no. So I think the police here is trying to contain these people. So they try to limit, like, they escort them all the way from the hotel to the stadium, from the station to the hotel. They don't let them walk around freely. But obviously, if like 200 of them escape and they start running, they were still, I mean, it's not like they were completely free. The police was still like... Oh, yeah, you can see the footage that was kind of surrounding them. Yeah, but I think so. um, what, what I suppose, I mean, I'm plastic and I'm not Neapolitan and, what, you know, who, who am I to talk about any of this? But Correct. F- from the outside looking in... Um, you know, there's a reputation that Naples sort of unfairly has internationally when it comes to football. You know, with all the crap that came up with Liverpool before we destroyed them um, on the pitch. And it's, you know, people 
will look at the footage and go, oh, it's Naples again. And actually, it's got nothing to do with Naples. It's a bunch of German fans smashing up a city. Um, and I suppose that's, I think, a bit frustrating. Um, but hey, yes. yeah. as you say, what can we do? And actually, you, you went to Berlin to see the other game and by all accounts had a good time in the stadium. I it was sort of fine. Tell. It was fine. Like, it was so great in terms of you know I, I mean there were some organizational problems it was it was a disaster to actually reach the stadium but we walk around the stadium uh you know among the home fans like normally yeah the police was like watching us but nothing too straight it was totally fine there wasn't any like all, all the napoli ultras were there so curva a and curva b ultras were in berlin as far as I know, nothing happened. There were no clashes, nothing at all. Um, it was so like peaceful and quiet in terms of you know relations with the with the Berlin fans that I I thought we we're maybe kind of establishing um, like a friendship uh, with them, but no, that's not the case. Apparently, that's not the case after this week. <laughs> no, apparently, apparently they are friendly with Monk and that Monk. I don't even know how to say Monk Monk and Gladbach. Uh, Munch and Gladbach, yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, oh, maybe I'm wrong, but I, I read that they were friendly with another fan base in Germany and they are our enemies, apparently. So, you know, there is all th this whole subculture of ultras where they say, yeah, the enemy or my friend is my enemy. So that's real politique. Yeah, the whole reason why, for example, when we went to Marseille, um, we had a lot of problems there like big, big problems. i was in marseille too and there were like like so many ambulances outside the stadium like when i when i went to the stadium, when i arrived at the velodrome i think it's the name of the stadium it was like i literally saw like broken glasses on the ground everywhere blood on the ground people fainting like napoli fans because it was outside the away section mm -hmm. it was honestly like a like like the, a fault a, a war had, had been fought in like half an hour before I arrived. It was crazy. And what was, and what was that all about? What was the rivalry there then? What was the... The rivalry there is that it's so convoluted, so stupid. So they are friends with Sampdoria and we right. were friends with Genoa and Genoa and Sampdoria are enemies. Oh so God. that's why Marseille hates us because we are friends of the enemy or their friends, if that makes sense. Wow, yeah. that is like, yes, I feel like behind me there's a whiteboard with a, a chapter that I'm supposed to be writing and mapped out, which is very complex. And I think this is more complex than that. Um, it's a shame because actually both, I mean, Marseille and Naples are two of my favourite cities that I've ever been in. Obviously, I prefer Naples, don't worry. But um, yeah, and I think there's quite a lot of things in common in terms of within the countries where they're located, how they're seen by the rest of the country. I think people in Marseille experience a fair degree of territorial discrimination as well. Um, you know, both port towns, both yeah. fun. <laughs> and so, yeah, anyway, well, maybe one day a friendship can be forged. Isn't Reno Gattuso the manager of Marseille? Yeah, apparently, yeah. yeah I wish him good luck. <laughs> good luck, mate. Um, okay, so I mean, the game me, happened. Oh. Yeah, no, let me just say that, like, very quickly about the... Because I don't want to always talk about other ultras. Our ultras are not angels. I want to say that. Of course. They are obviously quite toxic, I can tell. Uh, they are behaving lately. They are trying to behave. But they're still, you know, like yesterday, for example, during the game, 
uh, Union Berlin fans were absolutely fine. Uh, they didn't cause any problems. They were like the, again the the away section was full and the and they were they behaved like perfectly. But some ultras from Curva A still try to hit them with firecrackers and uh, flares. They threw a few of them. Yeah, I think you could you could hear it in the you know, yeah. from the television. So uh, it wasn't a lot of them. It was maybe like seven or eight, six or seven, something like that. Uh, they didn't hit anyone. Uh, I think two or three reached the away section because there is a net, like a protective net between yep. the away section and Curva A. They are next to each other. There is a like an empty space just to like a cushion to divide. A buffer. Basically, a buffer. A buffer. But in Italian, we say a cushion. Un cuscino. Una zona un cuscinetto, we say. Yeah. Like a cushion zone. A cushion zone. And uh, he, yeah, so it's divided physically uh, by this buffer area, and there is a net next to the away section. Um, so, specifically for this reason, so everything the curva tries to throw at the away section, it doesn't reach them. Uh, I would say 80% of the flares they threw at the away section, it, they got stuck in the net, but a couple went through. Uh, and uh, yeah, I don't yeah. think a net's a great shield against a firework. You know, if I was trying to protect myself from a firework, I don't think I'd do a net. But then, I suppose from a crowd safety perspective, uh, that's better. Anyway, in terms of overcrowding, yeah. So it sounds pretty lively then in the old stadium. So, what was your experience of the game? We got a. I'm going to chuck a comment from Instagram at you, which we'll get to hopefully over the course of this section. So. King Manaz says, what are we doing different tactically that makes us concede so many chances? So tell me a bit about your perspective of watching the game from Kurva B. Uh, and also what I've noticed in the meantime of us doing a show and doing another show is just how many times, and you said it on the last show, Nafli have scored in front of Kurva B in the past sort of four or five weeks. It is quite spooky in fact so um tell us about your experience of watching the game what stood out to you and if you could help us with that question from instagram i mean i've got thoughts but they're safer thoughts so in terms of in the stadium what have you noticed about the difference in tactics i mean first of all if you're coming to this podcast for tactical analysis you're in the wrong <laughs> podcast i want to say that <laughs> that's very important to me i don't pretend like i don't i don't i don't I'm not a tactical expert. I have my opinions, but honestly, I don't think this is the approach. Yeah, but you see it from a very specific perspective that a lot yes. of people see. And that's not a very good perspective when it comes to tactical analysis because, you know, it's, it's my, like my view, like you've seen the pictures from my, from my seat. My view is, is, is not the best, let's say. I don't go to Curva yeah. for the view. Anyway, uh, I mean... I don't know about the tactics. I mean, I don't know. Like, I, there is nothing new. Uh, we talked about it in the in the last episode, I think, and I don't. I haven't seen anything particularly different. Obviously, we are not playing with Osimhen right now. We're playing with Aspadori, and I haven't been displeased with with what I've seen. I've been a fairly big critic of Raspadori in the past, I would say, but yes. uh, yeah, no. I mean, he's playing. He's playing well, I think, and. Um, He's, I've really enjoyed watching him play. And, yeah. you know, we are still playing this 4-3-3 and I think in quite a different way to the way that Spalletti sets it up. So it's quite a challenge for 
for, because he's a completely different striker to Ossiman. Totally. So it's yeah. not just like a, a like for like. And I think he's coped rather well. But my point from yesterday, tell me if I'm wrong here, is if Ossiman's on the pitch, will probably win that game. There was, you know, there was a lot of possession. There was a lot of chances. And I just came away from quite deflated, obviously. But then I thought, actually, probably with someone else you meant, we would have nicked a couple of goals. And it's where the Raspadori is that kind of player that can, you know, I think Raspadori can like score a really good goal in a game. But and I know Dan Bowen, we've been talking about this on Twitter. I, I don't know. I nearly agree with Dan. I'm not quite sure whether or not he's someone that you can build a whole season around. Can you just hang on uh, to your hats, everybody, for some great analysis coming up? And talking of such incredible analysis, you often keep a close eye on Stanislav uh, Lobotka, don't you? Like what we like to call Lobotka watch on this show. So perhaps one way of being able to do our best at some kind of meaningful tactical analysis. What have you been noticing about our dear Slovakian friend? I mean, for regarding the game against Union Berlin, I didn't see much, to be honest. I it think the highlight, was yeah, the highlight of the game for Lobotka was probably the goal we conceded because it was the last, as usual, it was the last man in the like in the defense when when we have a corner, attacking corner, and yeah, I was I was hoping because he's usually quite good at it. I was hoping he would be able to 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 stop the counter-attack, but he didn't. It wasn't his fault, but he didn't. And then he got injured, so hopefully hopefully it's not nothing serious. Um, if we have to talk about, for example, the Salernitana game, as usual, uh, we've been talking about it for, for a while in this podcast. I think mm. it's going forward more and more and more, which led him to have the beautiful assist for Raspadori for our first goal. In I thought of you. I thought, I wonder what Michele is doing right now. Oh, I was very busy with my hands when I saw that. It was it was it was, <laughs> oh, was incredible, incredible, incredible assist. I loved it, and yeah, it's. Uh, I think Lobotka is a bit shy, you know. I think I've I mentioned it before. Talks about this, yeah. I thought this is exactly what Michele wants: is a bit more Iniesta esque. Yeah, yeah, because he, because he's able to do it. I'm sure he's able to. It's just he's a bit shy. He's quite quick many, as well. He's deceptively yeah. fast as well as anyway. Yeah, um, I heard yesterday in the stadium someone saying the exact same thing. I don't know who said it because, but I heard this voice. Someone saying, "Why is Lavotka so?" I think it's like timid. He said, mm. uh, and yeah, I agree. It's like it's I don't know why. Like he doesn't take any big risks, and that's good, but it's also kind of bad uh, every once in a while. Uh, in terms of tactical analysis for yesterday, I mean, what can we say, guys? I mean, we played a good first half. I think it was great. Uh, I mean, great is a big word. It was decent, let's say, against a yeah. very poor team. And in the second half, we just, you know, we have no ideas. I mean, I don't think there is any point in actually talking about tactics even. Uh, what, what I can say is that I don't really, I'm not really able to blame the players still. Um, I've been hearing a lot of people saying... You know, like, oh, yeah, I mean, Garcia is Garcia. We all know he's bad. But why are we not blaming the players too? Because they have to run. It seems like they don't want to win. I don't see that, to be honest. I think we are winning the games that we're winning because of the players, because of the fact that the players have not given up. That's what I'm seeing. And that's my 
feeling, let's say. Because I totally agree. And I think yeah. against a weak team, do you need a good manager? I mean, a bit. But when we've needed a coach with some ideas has been the second half yesterday or against um, Milan. Or there's all sorts of examples where he's just been completely found out, you know. So, yeah, that's interesting. So body language-wise, from the players on the pitch, because also we've had early in the season some quite high-profile uh, moments involving some quite negative body language from Ossiemen and Cavalitskelia. Uh And also, it wasn't high-profile, but we noticed Lubotka, because we keep a close eye on it. Are you noticing anything in the team? Do you notice a difference in the body language from from last year to, to this year? Anything that's jumping out to you from the Kurva perspective? I think they are just running less. I don't blame them because if, when you don't know what the plan is, uh, like what do you do? Like it's hard to, you know what I mean? It's, it's hard like yeah. where, do you, where, where do you run? You know, it's like yeah, yeah. improvise, like a 90 minutes of improvisation all the time. So, yeah, I mean, it gets tiring after a while. I think it's, it's, it says a lot that we considered that kind of goal yesterday. I don't know if you remember that, but there was a moment last season against Sassuolo. Uh, it became famous because... Uh, oh, yeah. everybody bombing, everybody bombing back. Yeah, yeah. because, you know, we're, we're kind of known to concede these counter-attacks uh, from our corners. And that's really bad. And there was this moment when... But I, th- I think that's probably... is going to go down in history as one of the like crucial moment of our yeah. Spalletto last season. That's something, it, for, for those who don't remember, uh, Spalletti had a press conference about, I can't remember, like one of the last games of the season, and he got asked some kind of question about, I can't remember specifically, but like some kind of like at, the attitude of the team. And he said, um, it wasn't asked specifically about that game, but he said, there is something you journalists didn't notice, and you should notice that. And he mentioned when Napoli had a, an attacking corner in the game against Sassuolo in Sassuolo. Mm. Basically, what happened was that we had a very bad corner, very, very bad. We lost the possession immediately. And like yesterday against uh, Union Berlin, we conceded a counter-attack to Sassuolo. Uh, the reason why Spalletti mentioned this is because the counter-attack was neutralized by... The whole Napoli team running back to defense like crazy, like 10 players running like their life depended on it. And Spalletti took this as an example. He showed the video even, I think, uh, as an example of, I guess you could say, what strong men play like. What Because, you know, he's famous yeah. for the for the phrase strong men, you know, like weak men, blah, blah, blah. Um that's how strong men play. So, you know, this sacrifice of, oh, yeah, we lost a ball, like a stupid ball from our corner. Let's all run back uh, 100 kilometers an hour to recoup the ball. I think we are winning 1-0 in that game too. Yesterday, mm. um, you know, I didn't see that. Clearly, I didn't see that. And, you know, it's not even that. It's not like they were totally alone. They still ran back to cover in defense. But it was so like I, I I wasn't brave enough to watch the replay of that game of that goal because it's just like pure pain just to watch it on the stadium in like so in my annoying. face oh, yeah, because God. it was in curva B so but just to watch it in my face it's painful enough to watch 
to watch the replays is even more painful. But I seem to remember that uh, it wasn't just one player. It were two players. And they passed the ball like three times between the, themselves. I mean, the Union Berlin attackers. And we run from one player to the other like dogs, you know, like just chasing the ball instead of thinking, okay, this is happening. I have to cover this player because he's free and he's going to receive the ball. You know, uh, these things are not down to tactics. These things are down, I don't think are down to motivation. But when, when there is chaos in the players' minds, um, these things happen. I think and- it is tactics, though, isn't it? Maybe not like the system, not the formation. But in terms of like what are the individual instructions for players, um, that example from the Sassuolo game, because I actually have to admit, I looked it up after Spalletti mentioned it because I, I haven't clocked it really, um, like the Italian football journalists. Um, but what I think is really clear in that example is that everyone knows what they're supposed to do, you know, and they're happy doing it. There's two sides of the coin, you know, which is what management is. It's like, you've got to give the correct instruction, but you've also got to find the way to communicate that to the people so they are happy to do it. And, you know, that's the trick of football management, isn't it? Uh, People respond in different ways, you know? Yeah, no, Garcia was asked this question after the game. I read that and he said, I mean, there is some tactics involved. Like, I wasn't talking about how you cover from your... Uh, corners. Obviously, there is tactics involved in that, and he mentioned that when there was also, maybe we can talk about that because what he what he said was like he would ask why do we concede that goal? You know that stupid goal from our corner. And he said the guys weren't really um, ready for it, and that's a mistake. I can the only thing I can blame them for is this. He said because our tactics is when we are um, when we are not winning, we cover with three men. From our corners, when we're winning, we cover with four. I found it very interesting that he said that mm-hmm. because some, you know, like it's like he kind of admitted a defensive approach, let's say, to games. You know, like we've seen that before. Like when we're, we're winning by one goal, he he like he removes a, a, an attacker and he puts in a defender, for example. Like we've and there was some weird, before. and it was screaming out for Simeone, wasn't it, in in the second half that, that yes. it just needed a bit more of a focal point. Um, yeah. Attacker. That's so interesting, actually, because not only is it admitting to this defensive approach, but it's also admitting that the players aren't following his instructions. I mean, you can yeah. say that maybe they just you know, was they were just it was just one moment of the game. And what I find interesting yeah, I is that, that is that some some coaches, you know, they I, I, for example, I don't think Sari had anything like that when we was here, when he was here. Like we win. One zero, we keep attacking until we score the second, the third, and the fourth. We keep pressing as well, just like exactly. you know, poor Hamsig. Like his his top class career was cut short by probably about five years because of sorry, much as it was very very pleasurable to watch at its best. But yeah, but I know I do think those sorts of individual. That's a team mistake. I don't think that if you're switched on because you're playing for the coach, playing for the Mister. Okay, maybe there'll be occasional moments that happens, but it, it's repeatedly happening on the counter, and it goes back to the to the original question from your Instagram follower. You know, that's perhaps why we're conceding so many chances. Is that it's kind of irrelevant whether or not Garcia's making plans that aren't being followed or his tactics are crap. For whatever reason, players are not doing what they're supposed to do. 
which is a failure of management. And like people listening of all different walks of life who are either managed by somebody or manage other people will know that either your manager speaks to you to try to get you to do something. If you think they're an idiot or they're asking you in a disrespectful way, you won't do it or you'll do it in whatever. If they do it in a way that is intelligent and thoughtful and you're impressed with their thinking, you will probably instigate it and do it, you know. And from the very beginning, I've just been so unimpressed with Garcia. I just think he's an unimpressive person. He has an unimpressive personality. If he was to walk into a room, I don't think anybody would lean forward. Um, you know, and elite level sport, you need to be impressive, don't you? So I'm not surprised they're not following it. Um, yeah, I agree. You know. I think I think we mentioned it in the podcast before, but during the summer, I read some rumors, and you know, I love my rumors about Garcia. Rumors. Yeah, about Garcia, about the players. You know, I think I read a rumor about Zieliski, like someone met Zieliski and they talked about Garcia and his situation in general, and. Uh, uh, there were a few like this was before our first game so we had like a lot of people were hopeful about Garcia and I remember these rumors uh, saying like all of them basically saying that the players were not happy about Garcia they were not happy about the massive changes Garcia wanted to implement in the team and again these rumors came out before we had any official game so yeah. it's not like, it's easy to say now. It's like, oh yeah, they're not happy about yeah. the changes. Like now it's because we see the changes. But before we even played, I read these rumors. Yeah, the, the players, I read, I remember I read that the players were not happy and did not understand. That's important, I think. Did not understand all the changes Garcia wanted to implement. And I remember thinking at the time when I read it, like what kind of changes are, because we didn't know, like what is what is this guy even trying to do? And uh, yeah, I mean, uh, we cannot also forget that this guy is not liked. In uh, mm -hmm. like he, he he coached Lyon, and uh, I think uh, Juninho Pernambucano, I think, is one of the Lyon. Oh, what a player! Uh, by the way, what yeah, a yeah, lovely yeah. player I, he yeah, was. I loved him. Yeah, and this guy, I think, is uh, he has some kind of executive role in uh, Lyon. And yeah. he, he gave an interview saying that he hates Garcia, basically. He said oh, he was one of the... Because he appointed Garcia as Leon's coach. And he said, yeah, there was a big mistake. He's arrogant, selfish. He only thinks about himself. And I was it's like, oh, wow. Yeah. yeah. Well, who have we got? I mean, and it's like, you know, in the field that I work in, in theatre, right? So I was the theatre director for about 10 years. And, you know, you have to think about how do you get your ideas implemented? Sometimes you've got an 80-year-old actor in the room, right? He's been around since the old days. And you've also got like a 21-year-old actor in the room who's just come out of drama school. So you might have these new ideas of how you want to work. But you have to think, okay, the 80-year-old isn't going to really respond to doing like a physical warm-up before the rehearsal because he's 80, smoking a pipe, drinking a whiskey, you know. And you have to think about these different individuals. Mates of mine are still actors now, and I'll get texts every now and then saying, we've got another director that's trying to implement their big ideas, and it's just completely wrong. And, you know, it, it's such a crossover in, into sport, and it really feels to me that Garcia, it's not like he doesn't have a plan. It's just that he's so crap at implementing it. Yeah. And it's like leadership 101. And it also goes back to ADL. That if you interview coaches properly, if you have a proper shortlist of coaches, 
that's something you can spot, right? You interview somebody in an employment situation, you're spotting actually not just have they got a good CV, but like what they're like, how they come across, whether you they you they can get you behind their ideas. I mean, I don't speak Italian, but what's he like in press conferences? Does you know? Um, it's funny because he's hated by like all the Neapolitan journalists, basically. <laughs> like every time there is a like I like I I read about it. I've seen some shows where they talk about it, and I know some people who know. Uh, journalists who go to this press conference they, they all told me the same they said that this guy is so selfish he's so arrogant we are not the reason why i'm talking about this is not because it's gossip and i mean i love my napoli gossip you know that but hey, this is not yeah. about gossip this is about when i when i talk about these things it's because like in my mind i'm thinking what's the chance this is gonna change what what are the chances that he's gonna turn this around And you know, like it's it's impossible to predict clearly, but you know you can you can make an uh, educated guess. And I think in order to make an educated guess, you have to know what you're talking about. I didn't know Garcia at all when he came here, but reading these rumors, reading Juninho Berambucano saying this guy is one of the most toxic people in the world of football, and he's like so arrogant and and selfish, and you know, like. Seeing that all the Napolitan journalists are saying, yeah, this guy, like the co press conferences with these guys are useless because we ask him a question and he says, he, like he laughs, he makes a joke and he just says, okay, next question. He doesn't even answer. And he picks fights with some journalists. I've seen some videos of him saying, oh yeah, this is a, like a journalist asked him, to be fair, kind of like a pointless question, but all of them are point. I mean, I don't like sport journalists. He asked Same him like... Yeah, he said, like, oh, we are seven points behind Inter. Um, have we already given up? This was the question. I think it's a stupid question. You know, it's still, still, you know, you can you can give an answer to that. It, I don't think it's a... Maybe it's not stupid. I would say it's not a particularly interesting question because there is yeah, only exactly. one way you can answer There's only question. one answer to that question. Yeah, like, yeah, you can't be like, yeah, like, we oh, have, no, actually. Yeah, <laughs> no, we will never give up. We will fight till the end. These are the kind of stupid question they ask yeah. the players and they. this is the reason why interviews with players and coaches are always boring because like oh yeah what do you think about napoli yeah napoli is great i like pizza you know this kind of stupid question like oh yeah have you have you given up what what what, what can you answer but garcia didn't answer with the with an uninteresting reply like the usual oh yeah we will not give up we are working to blah blah he said uh, oh yeah i should have expected a mean question from you That's what he said. It's like, oh, you're being mean. This is a mean question. You usually... And like for two minutes, he went back and forth with this journalist about why are you mean to me? And the journalist said, I'm not mean. And the press uh, like press manager of Napoli said, oh, yeah, when he said mean, he didn't really mean like that. Mean. Mean. He meant something else. He meant like... This is, uh, he said something like some bullshit. It was so funny to, to listen to it. Like, he was trying to... He was trying to justify Garcia saying, oh, you ask a mean question. Such a weird... And if like you... the, the thing he said was, this is a domanda cattiva. Mean question. Oh, yeah, yeah. Domanda cattiva. Even I understand that. The, um, it's interesting as well, you know, into the English-speaking uh, coverage that probably the best it, commentator of Serie A is a guy called Patrick Kendrick. He does the world feed. Um you know, lives in Italy. I think his partner's from Naples. 
And my my partner, she says that he's the guy that gets that I can actually pronounce the names correctly, um, which is true. And he obviously really misses Spalletti, I think. And it's interesting. So he, so he does, I think he does live interpretation of press conferences as well. Yeah, yeah, and like, well, Spalletti was obviously very, 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 very eccentric person. But there was, you know, some of the things that Spalletti said last season actually created like international discourse around tactics. So when Spalletti was talking about actually formations aren't as relevant anymore, people were going, oh, that's really interesting. Look at the way you played against Liverpool. That kind of makes sense. And people within the games, it's not just Neapolitan journalists, it's it's people all around the world used to dealing with Spalletti and one you know, with with respect and also a bit of affection for his strange eccentricities. And we don't see any of that for Rudy Garcia. Um yeah. anyway. Uh so couple of questions saying who could come in and replace Garcia? Jung Zaro says that. Um McGuinness, 1086, says, who would people like to see as the next manager of Napoli? Um, some things today about Mazzari, which makes me very nervous. Yeah. Um, <laughs> That's so funny. Very man. nervous. That's it would so be funny, hilarious, man. though. Yeah. Be, you know. Man, I think... like, when we were not this desperate, I think I made a joke about Mazzari, like, one of my WhatsApp groups. They're like, oh, guys, is Mazzari still available? It was was supposed to be a joke. It was like, yeah, Mazzari, come on. I mean, it's like it's over now with Mazzari. Like, it's, it's not that serious. Who else? Ender. Ventura. I mean, are we going to go back through? Are we going to get Rhea back? Um, you know, like Donadoni. who? Oh, don't mention those days. Um, the So I don't know. I mean, for me, like, it was always the same thing. I thought that Luis Enrique, who was the front runner for quite a long time, has a style of play that's close to Spalletti. I thought it would have been, at the time, it looked like Ossie might have gone, so I thought it would be really interesting to have Raspadori playing as a false nine in the Luis Enrique system. That, for me, is who I wanted. What might happen is that we stutter to fourth, Garcia goes, Luis Enrique gets binned by PSG and over he comes. But there isn't anyone kind of screaming out to replace, is there? Or do you have any burning desire for someone? really hard to say. Uh, I don't really follow a lot of football outside Napoli, so I'm not aware of any any uh, coach who can be available. I asked a question on my Instagram a few weeks ago just because of that, because I had no... Because a lot, everyone says, everyone says, oh yeah, we have to sack Garcia because Garcia is not good enough. But the thing is, okay, you can you can sack Garcia, but you still need someone on the on the bench. So you cannot say Sack Garcia without also recommending a replacement. So I asked a question. I asked, like, who, who do you think we can get as a replacement? Because I, I'm not aware of any. Um, not because they are, mm. not, they are not available, but because I'm not, like, I'm not big in, about, you know, following other teams and I don't know. And, yeah, I got some interesting questions, uh, some interesting uh, replies about that. What I can say is that... Um, in terms of what people here in Napoli want to see uh, as Napoli's new coach, it's hard to say. Uh, I replied to a guy on Instagram in a joke, but I don't think it's that kind of... It's not too much of a joke. It's, I, I told him, I think people in Napoli right now would go for anyone at all, like even Serie B coaches, because anything is better than this. Uh, mm. I was kind of like half joking when I said that, 
there is no the thing is that there is no real credible replacement right now. When Conte was rumored to like have, have talked to uh, De Laurentiis about coming here, yeah, yeah, a lot of people were happy about it. A lot of people were like, "Yeah, we need Conte, we need Conte, get us Conte." I wasn't particularly happy because I hate Conte, but I think we are past the point of personal, you know, feelings when it comes to. Also, it would be funny for six months. Like, uh, for me, when Conte was mentioned, like you, I'm not his biggest fan. But I thought, this season's gone. This is gone. And if the season's gone, I'd rather watch a soap opera emerge between Conte and Aurelia De Laurentiis than have to put up with Garcia Ball for another six months. So that was my approach because, yeah, I, I think Conte is... Did you see the interview he gave? What's the show, the talk show on Italian TV? He gave that quite lengthy interview. Um, just very eccentric man with some very strange thoughts about the world. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was, um, that was anyway. So yeah, I in think terms of, in terms of replacement, I have no idea who we can get. Uh, I I can tell you most of the people who answered to my question on Instagram back then when I. When I asked this question, a lot of people said Gallardo. Uh, uh, yeah, he's working uh, not in Italy, um, right? I I think so. I mean, a lot of people said Conte. <laughs> we're, and we're such I, a crap football show. I love it. No, Gallardo <laughs> said. Uh, oh, I have no, I have no, I have no idea. Gallardo. Uh, yeah, because his name came up when I was like, eh? and I should know this as a, you know. Anyway, it's fine. Like, I'm sure people, when I, people when I, yeah. listen. They don't listen to us for football too. I hope if you are, then you're on the wrong show, everybody. No, but the, the names, the names they made was Tudor because Tudor was also one of the possible replacements. It was. I mean, he'd be better than Garcia. I don't think he's a particularly inspiring yeah. choice, but he'd be better than him. Some people said Tudor. Some people said guy. A lot of people said Gallardo. Yeah, well, I mean, the unobtainable ones. A lot of people said Italiano, but there's no way Italiano, like guys. Um, Ital- like there is no way a coach leaves their current team to come to us right now. Like Italia, can you imagine? Italiano says to- like he didn't want to leave Fiorentina. We can't. The it's against of- the rules. You yeah, can't not- leave yeah, but season. not even not even then. Just like the decision of like he didn't come last season when the season ended because he wanted to respect his contract with Fiorentina. He comes now, as you said, it's even against the rules. But even if we weren't against the rules, it's not possible. People said the Zerbi. Yes, the Zerbi is never coming to Napoli. He's yeah. on Megabucks. He's got to... Yeah, yeah it's, it's English money. I vote for Ciro Mertens coming back as a player manager. I can, <laughs> I can get behind that. Yeah, maybe. Yeah. I don't well, know if it made over to Italy when Brian Robson, the English footballer, became player manager of Middlesbrough in the 90s. The the publicity photograph was... It was the weirdest thing in the whole world. He, half, his upper half was dressed in a suit like a manager and his lower half was the shorts the socks and the football boots of a player. It's the strangest thing I think I've ever seen. And I want to see Ciro Mertens dress like that because I think he'd carry it off very well indeed. It's early for them. Maybe one day. I could really see it one day, but it's way too early for him now. What about um, Thiago Motta, who's doing a good job? Yeah, I mean, it's it's not available too. So, yeah, if it's against rules, that's what I'm talking about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I mean, that's totally unobtainable, and uh, yeah, a lot of people are saying Motta Italiano because they are relatively young with a clear idea. 
I, I also I've also read some, ADL won't go for that. Yeah, I've also read some some things about Thiago Motta. He doesn't play really well. I don't again. I don't know. I don't watch Bologna, so I have no idea. But the said, yeah. yeah, I mean, it all goes back the, to the summer, there, doesn't it? We hired the wrong guy. The thing is that if we want to sack Garcia and hire someone else, now is the time. Now is the time. I think because mostly we are doing badly. And it's clear to me that with Garcia, we're going nowhere. But the season is not lost yet. Because we can still go to the round of 16. We can still, I mean, not not fight for the Scudetto, I think. But, you know, top four is doable. Um, I mean, maybe if we win like 10 games in a row, maybe we can fight for the Scudetto too. We are not that bad in the, you know, in the, in the table. The table doesn't look that ugly right now. And uh, after Empoli, there is a international break so we have to win yeah. so we have to let's keep an eye on it because De Laurentiis usually like it doesn't suck a lot of managers but the big rumors about sucking Garcia came before yeah, the, international, the last yeah, yeah, international yeah, yeah. break and now we have you know after the this international break we have two weeks of hell you know we have four like in 12 in 12 days we're gonna play against Atalanta away, Real Madrid away, Inter at home, and Juventus away. Could be season over by then. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. So, or the other way. It could be season turning it around. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, sure. Okay. <sighs> I mean, well, it could get... be the beginning of Chiro Mertens' 10-game winning streak as the new player manager. Of, yeah. Of Maybe we win all four and we're going to apologise to Garcia for the rest of our lives. I think we need to come up with a specific... So, like, you jumping naked into the fountain for the Scudetto, which never happened, plastic. Which um, never happened because the fountain was really crowded. was really crowded. Uh, I didn't get uh, close to it. I was kind of, like, in the same square, but I wasn't in the fountain. I was, I was, I was overlooking the fountain. That sounds a bit plastic to me. So, um, Fair. Although I was... Yeah, anyway. But the, um, I, I think we need to come up with a specific thing that we're going to do. If Irina Garcia turns us around, uh, any suggestions, listeners, please do do let us know. I think, yes, I we can do tattoo, something. Yeah, I will tattoo Garcia's face on my face, one one. You know, like the whole the whole thing. Same here. Okay, I'll do that, and I'll legally change my name to Rudy Garcia. Perfect. That works. Okay. Then, uh, I'm, I feel safe doing this bet because I know that's <laughs> never gonna happen. Yeah, yes. What else can we get off our system? Yeah, promise everything. So, okay. Well, we're coming up to the hour mark, which is great. I mean, I've, I've missed these shows. I do apologize, everybody, for life getting... You were ill. So that... We were going to record, and you were started saying that you were worried that, because the listeners see you as a sex icon, that you couldn't live up to that with your with your dulcet tones, right? True. Yeah, I mean, I, I just stuff no, After... After... Uh... Berlin away, I got sick. I might have right. gotten COVID. And uh, oh, I mean, but that's the kind of sacrifices you make for Napoli, you know? Like some people stay in Pasley or Glasgow for, for the whole year, unless we win a Scudetto and then they fly to Napoli. <laughs> some other people get sick traveling, you know, in cold destinations to watch Napoli Always play the victim. super badly. Always you know? the victim. Oh, All this territorial discrimination is correct. I'm joking, of course. <laughs> oh, man. You are, are you are you plastic? I'm, I'm cancelled. Sure. I don't think I'm even plastic. I'm even below the level of the plastic. When um, are you next coming to Napoli? Never. 
this guy That's is a never good question. like even now, now we like we won a scudetto and he came once think about now with garcia this guy is never gonna come to napoli again yeah, but i would actually really like to go now actually because i think um it might be more so when did i read it i mean i started following napoli a bit 1992 ish just after <laughs> napoli were good and <laughs> You know, we talked about this last season. The majority of my Napoli following life has been more in line with what we're experiencing this season. But And yes, I never went there during that sort of period. I agree. I mean, we've got to finish soon, but I suppose, are you still having fun in the stadium? Like, is it still, you know, is it still, or I bet it is because people are a bit experienced in this way, or am I being optimistic? I mean, that's a, that's a, I think that's a good question. It's, it's hard to answer. I, I, I wouldn't define my experience in the stadium lately as fun. Yeah. But there is no place I'd rather be anyway. So uh, I still yes. keep going and I'm, you know, like it, it, it is, it is interesting to have this kind of experiences too. I think, mm. you know, it makes you value the good times way more. And as I said, it's better to experience this kind of bad spells surrounded by people you 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 know you care about people who uh, share your same passion and your same feelings about the situation so yeah i mean i wouldn't say i had a lot of fun i didn't have the time of my life yesterday but i you know it's 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 an experience it's an experience but the only thing i don't like is that unfortunately even though the stadium is pretty much full every time now mm. it is getting a bit more silent uh, okay. One of the questions was also about that. Uh, I expected yesterday to be a way louder game in general. Particularly after the events in the city. So the question was from Finanale. Did the Curva win the Settore Ospiti volume-wise? Were people frustrated with dot, dot, dot? And I don't know the rest of that question, but we get the general impression. It's, uh, yeah, I mean, I was expecting the Berlin fans to be louder. I because they were very very loud in Berlin, extremely loud. I was surprised by how loud they were. It was it was mm. great. Uh, they were not loud at all. They didn't chant. They didn't do anything. Uh, I am. They were tired from smashing up the city. Maybe no, but that, you know what I'm suspecting. I don't know. This is just my opinion because I don't know if that's true or not. But I'm imagining that most of the people who make noise let's say in the stadium for union berlin are the people who smashed the city and mm. maybe they were banned from the stadium yesterday yeah good point that's what i'm good thinking point. so because i didn't see any you know white hoodie uh, that we've seen from these city smashing videos uh before the game so yeah it's maybe that happened uniform, but yeah. also curva and curva b they were not very loud yesterday uh, so you wanted me to come so i can i can use my theater facilitation skills i could do a workshop Please. with the the ultras art saves lives uh you know when you're talking about point, yes yeah <laughs> the um good shakespeare quote right from as you like it duke duke senior so he's exiled from the city he's from and he's he's put in the forest of arden and his whole court sat around him and they're used to living in these mansions and whatever they're now sat in a damp forest eating the equivalent of three-day-old Enzo fish and chips. And uh, Duke Senor says, sweet are the uses of adversity, which, like the toad, ugly and venomous, 
wears yet a precious jewel in his head. So, you know, it's all, you know, it's sweet are the uses of adversity. And I would say that to, to our listeners to, to think about in all the frustrations of this, we are still together as a fan base and that's, and we still have Napoli in common. Some people think it's actually ironic, Shakespeare's using it and it's comic, but you have to sign up to a performance degree at University of Scotland if you want to talk about that with me. Do you have a Neapolitan expression of the week, Michele? Yes, let, let me apologise to our listeners for the cultural moment. This is not Sorry. what this podcast is about. This no. is not what we promised you, you know, to make you smarter. Oh, and to sorry, make you another think. thing. Sorry, yes. I, I did a lecture yesterday and I, was, I, I asked about the cone and the cup debate and I introduced the third year students to the idea of the cone cup that is both cone and cup. And the majority, I asked for hands up, the majority of my students are cup users when it comes to ice cream. Team oh, Michele. Okay, nice. Now, I don't That's know, the I'm level a, of high-end intellectual discourse you get at university. I don't, I, don't, I don't know if it's good for me or not because people would say, oh yeah, you know, like British people understand nothing when it comes to food and stuff. So if they uh, agree Scots, with you. The Scots know about their food. Anyway, right. So I'm going to shut up now. Go on. The Neapolitan expression of the week. Why people actually tune in is for this stuff. Yes. No, not the culture. Yes. Yeah, so no. the Neapolitan expression of the, of the week, this, this week is... E chiacchiere non riengano a panza. E chiacchiere non riempiono a panza. This would be in Italian is le chiacchiere non riempiono la pancia. And in in Italian it would be uh, it would be uh, how do I translate this? Like small talk does not do small talk uh, does not uh, make your stomach full. Right. You can say that. So the reason the, the meaning behind this phrase in Neapolitan, the way it's used is that, you know, talking is easy, but acting is hard. So there's a lot of talk about, you know, like when they ask Garcia. I, I, I picked this phrase because, because when I hear Garcia talk about the tactics and about what happened in the games, you know, uh, it's always very disappointing to me. It makes my stomach yeah. ache. Um, and it's, but it's usually... also a little bit like we say in English, like all mouth and no trousers. So yeah, I think yeah, I think you have a lot of these. Yeah, you have a lot of these uh, like phrases in all languages. Uh, it is quite used in in Napoli, so I, I wanted to I wanted to to mention. Say it again once more, in case there's someone about to arrive and they're listening to this on their flight, and they're gonna meet the taxi driver and they're gonna find a reason to slip this into conversation. Go on, Michele. Yes, a chiacchiere non yengano avanz. There we go. So it would be, again, it would be small talk doesn't fill the belly. You can yeah. say that. So it means that it's just air. You know, it's kind so of as, a cleaning. It's just like, you know, small talk is easy. Like just the words, words are just air, but it doesn't, it's not anything substantial. You're still hungry for food, for facts, for or something tangible. And I haven't okay. seen anything tangible from Garcia lately, ever, I would say. So, yes, it's... Uh, the only thing tangible is that Politano is playing well. That is the only positive from really Garcia. Yes, in that's, my opinion. That's, that's fair. It's, it's and you're making it despite Garcia, not due to Garcia. But yes. Exactly. And you may be making... Talking of vanishing food is quite a Shakespearean concept because obviously in The Tempest, when... Uh, 
when the the banquet is created and uh the king of naples no less alonso goes towards it and uh, then it vanishes uh that's what you were going for right absolutely 100% once again i apologize for the for the Shakespeare only wrote you. 11 neapolitan characters that can all be found in the tempest uh right i think we've reached the end of the show everybody <laughs> thank you so much for bearing with us if you have most of you probably haven't um so you can find michele on twitter at napoli tickets and also at what is it michele gnt michele gnt yeah not and terribly active but it's the twitter it's just profile it's embarrassing actually how pathetically low your following numbers are so can just please just for <laughs> i have three yeah. tweets or so like maybe four and one I of them is like have... oh yeah new profile so it doesn't count come on and we want we want your controversial takes and your rumors um and i'm at henry bell calcio and this is part of the far from vesuvius network at far from vesuvius do check out the other show on the network the napoli rant with raf and raf and uh, grazie Rafa per uh, produzione per questo episodio. Yes, wow, that was that was painful but accurate. <laughs> okay, and on that bombshell, forza Napoli. Sempre, sempre.